Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, we have Sashin Shaw, who is the Chief Technology Officer for OT at Armis Security. Welcome, Sashin. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Chris. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate and enjoy having people on from the OT side and uh, the perspective, which is gaining a lot of traction lately. But first of all, give us your background, how you got to where you are. Um, and I know you're kind of new at Armis, but uh, uh, give us kind of your path a little bit. Absolutely. So I think uh, joining Armis about four months ago as their CTO for OT, but prior to uh, joining Armis, I was a long-time veteran at uh, Intel Corporations managing the ICS strategy across uh, multiple verticals into their uh, semiconductor manufacturing, uh, manufacturing OD floors, uh, industrial and control ICS systems. Is industrial control systems. Sometimes Absolutely. we blow by the acronyms. Go ahead. Right. So that industrial control system is sort of uh, think about it as a Lego boxes, which you connect with the Lego with each utility providing services uh, inside the manufacturing industrial assets, which can anywhere when you build a factory, it goes from anywhere between $1 billion to $5 billion. So protecting those assets is very critical. And then part of that uh, role, I was doing an ICS industrial control strategy, not only for manufacturing OD flows, uh, but including industrial control systems, but as well as uh, similar systems, uh, which is ICS systems are used in facilities, which doesn't have any association to the factory, but still, the, it's called building management systems or building automation systems is a buzzword that people are looking into. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I think lately of the IT-OT convergence, so people talk about smart or uh, IoT uh, convergence, which is happening at each and every facilities, um, man- managing them back into the smart buildings uh, concepts. Mm-hmm. So part of my role was managing the entire spectrum of uh, OT uh, across Intel and then I decided to join armies due to the very unique way of uh, what uh, we are trying to solve this problem. Okay. Interesting. So I heard building automation. I heard uh, factory, uh, automated factories, uh, smart cities. Uh, I think we've talked about, you know, smart factories, yeah. Factories, uh, electric grid, um, what like transportation systems and the automobiles coming onto this. What other areas? you know, that fall into this, this OT ICS that just there are, people might not think of. And in fact, uh, people don't realize, but uh, OT or ICS is so prevalent in day-to-day social fabric of our life, whether you're working from home, you consider your power to be always on, mm-hmm. but back in, uh, in the backend infrastructure, what does manageability that looks like the monitoring of the power or the battery that comes out of ICS devices. If you go and let's say if you go to uh, hospitals, uh, there are medical IOTs uh, that solely depend on the patient's care versus of the life safety systems. 
that is also uh, governed by uh, ICS systems or back and what we call as an OT systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go into the nuclear power plant uh, where the nuclear energy is generated or the solar sonar, solar plants, uh, oil and gas platforms, power oh, utilities, yes, yeah. uh, uh, chemical uh, is also one of the biggest uh, you know, supplier where you have a factory, you need lots of gas and the chemical to process your product, industrial product line. So it is pretty much considered to be used across many spectrum. Uh, uh-huh. And if you go to, let's say, critical infrastructure protection out of Department of Homeland Security, you'll find many of those uh, categorizations listed, what industry that serves the purpose into the ICS and OT. Yeah. Well, we, we're going to be right back. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Give us a couple seconds. Be right back. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, talking to Sashin Shah, the uh, Chief Technology Officer for OT at Armist Security. And uh, now twice now I've put that OT in there because we, we talked about ICS, OT. So often people come on and talk about you know network security and IT but this OT animal, we just went through before the break, um, quite a few different industries that we might not see all the time, but they're bigger than our computer and IT industries as far as number of devices by far. Um, what what do you see as the primary differences between security and OT versus IT? Uh, actually, it is in a notion, it's pretty similar, but in a way, it is also collectively so different because one must understand when these OT devices were implemented. So when somebody builds a factory, they invest anywhere in the north of $5 billion to build a factory. So think about this factory that operates almost closer to 20, 25 years without going through an upgrade uh, into their ICS and OT environment. And this is why the term, uh, it's called industrial control systems. And that industrial world comes along where these systems or the edge devices doesn't sit on your typical data centers. This sits on a outrange of the factory where the environmental uh, variables are very critical that you must be able to operate. Uh, and the uptime is extremely critical. Uh, it requires 99.99% uptime for many of the factories. And on top of that, if many of those devices uh, goes down, it has a direct impact to the life safety systems or life safety of the human. And mm-hmm. secondary risk posture is an environmental impact because if you look at the factory, uh, when you try and build a product, an industrial product line, in the back end, you need a chemical and the gas systems. And these are the deadly chemicals. Uh, and if it has any incursion into those environment, that can pretty much also uh, affect the environment environmental impact surrounding your physical location of a factory. And then obviously third comes along the risk factor that everybody talks about, the monetary value when my factory is going down or I have incursion, my production is stopped. But if you look at it in the order, at the end of the day, life safety 
problems, everything else along the monetary aspect of the factory operations. And this is where it becomes very traditionally different from an IT versus OT, where in IT, I may keep on revolving my devices such as server, the client, or the tradition keeps operating on normal conditions. Uh, an expectation is that always provide uptime on-demand activity. Yeah, interesting. You know, one of the one of the key points I was I was wondering if you would mention that uh, we ad- we address as far as what what I work in in security difference between the two is the the relevance of time um, in IT security. People are the the main actors on the data and the systems and the applications, and people have a big tolerance for the amount of time that happens, and time being different every time. Like if you open a file, it takes two seconds one time or half a second another time, you don't notice. But machine-to-machine communications have to have this tight timing. And security is implemented entirely different, whether it's tight times or asynchronous and just comes back whenever the user gets it, is entirely different. And that was one of the big key features that you have to balance in the two. It's not only the key features, that's the most underlying uh, OT requirement uh, running into a factory or into the nuclear power plant. The deterministic nature of the time-sensitive network is the paramount, meaning if I had to shut down a particular gas valve or if I need to change uh, uh, the screen set for the monitoring for the temperature controls, this needs to happen in a millisecond since I send the command. And this is why the systems are uh, purpose-built for the industrial control systems. And this is where the keyword is industrial and control. That needs Mm -hmm. to happen in a millisecond, unlike of my traditional IT, where I can have some sort of a lagging is acceptable versus in here, it must, and not only because it must require, but these are also required through getting your compliance permit from your local and state government to operate your factory, Mm -hmm. ensuring that your life safety systems, your fire systems, your smoke systems have a direct, uh, uh, you know, compliance required met and that's how you get a permit to operate a factory absolutely and this is why the system runs on a real-time operating system and not a regulated or regular operating system yep and it security has been designed with the asynchronous nature of timing does is non-deterministic um and shifting that over becomes that big divide in the security is different we have to use different algorithms and different equations for doing this Absolutely. And this is where the traditionally um, people are converging when we talk about ITOT. <clears throat> Excuse me, the convergence. Uh, we have seen in, in the marketplace, well, if I'm, I'm running a particular IT-centric uh, security control on my IT network, they automatically assume that it might be able to easily plug and play into the OT environment. Mm-hmm. And that's an absolutely no-no because one must understand the security requirement coming out of OT. First, it must have that availability. So anything that I do on a network has in, in, uh, incurs any of those additional resources, that's not going to fly because, like I mentioned, maintaining this environment securely before it becomes secure, the requirement is to no, not to impede their availability portion. Absolutely. So to do those, you need a purpose-built solutions that not only works for an OT environment, but also provide that convergence to the IT uh, traditional security solutions. Yeah, bridging that gap. 
So tell me, you, you said you were excited to go to Armis after being in Dale for so many years. Um, what is the key thing that, that excites you there that with their technology and explain what it is that, that you're doing that's unique? So one of the best thing that what I learned about Armis is not because I like the company or the, the management and the vision, but it's all about if I'm uh, trying to convert the technology into the realistic world of a factory, uh, and when you work on a multi-factory environment at a multi-locations, you must have a right visibility. And to gain that visibility, you need to have appropriate understanding of a uh, you know, SIP, uh, and I'll probably pronounce con industrial control systems protocol stacks, which are very uh, unique in its nature, the way it operates on a network, mm -hmm. and do the, do the deep packet inspection on those and then come up with the asset visibility is paramount. It's not something you can install an agent and try collecting the telemetry. And many of these devices, in fact, I would say 99% of the IoT edge devices, you can't even install an uh, antivirus or any of the traditional uh, detection capability. You need to run uh, in a passive environment. And this is the key differences coming out of IT OT, where in OT, passive uh, you know, transformation or the passive collection of the data is the key. And then doing intelligence out of those passive collections because you are not impeding the time-sensitive network resource uh, because you're just reading the data out of the wire. Yeah, interesting. Um, one, I think I remember uh, quite a few years ago, a um, a network um, firewall vendor made you took an IT product and put it on an OT network, and uh, started impeding the amount of um, of bandwidth on the the uh, the SCADA network, and uh, the product, even though it was in mass production, was having this problem everywhere where as soon as they would put more data across the network, it would bump the, the control systems offline. No, absolutely. Because it all goes back to the visibility portion, just because an understanding that you are a fortune 500 company and trying to install that firewall tool sets, you must have a real closer understanding of a protocol stacks that it is running on an OT environment. It is not typical of, of FTP, HTTP, and you know, traditional IT protocols. These are purpose-built environment uh, from an uh, uh, OEMs or you know industry manufacturers, which have a different control networks. And some of those networks, if I highlight, let's say, Rockwell uses Ethernet IP, uh, uh, Siemens uses uh, Profibus, Profinet, uh, EtherCAT, and some of those understanding requires an understanding of how this OT devices traditionally has operated. And if I maybe add one more thing, people don't realize uh, OT or ICS uh, devices have been operations since almost 200 years. It's just the digitization and the industrial transformation that happened before we started working on mechanicalization uh, devices, then it moved on to the industrial 2.0 transformation where they more moved into the automation space. Mm -hmm. And then from automation to industrial 3.0 conversions where they're doing digitizations. And now we are moving into industry 4.0 conversions and now having an ITOT or IoT uh, devices uh, coming on board, doing the data analytics and, you know, uh, big uh, artificial intelligence coming out of the factories and the data set. Yeah. Well, let's take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain managed trust and security. 
Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today with Sashin Shah, the uh, Chief Technology Officer for OT at Armis Security. Um, and before the break, you were we were talking about the scale and how old, uh, how you said 200 years have been in operation. And you know what? I've been in pneumatic factories still in existence where they use pressure lines for all the control systems on a whole assembly line. And some of the um, the uh, the very high temperature operations still do that, like in steel mills, where they have pneumatic controls where we would see co- uh, computerized stuff now and, and, uh, and microcontrollers, but they use pressurized gas and even uh, uh, fluids in some cases. Absolutely, because like I mentioned, if I am an operating a factory and if I've already invested in the north of $5 billion to operate a factory, it's not as easy as my traditional IT where Sachin can go and find another laptop to work on a traditional you know, HR or uh, email issues versus for a factory, it's an entirely different ballgame. This yeah, system not broke, are, you don't fix it. Exactly. It still works. And, and this, yeah, just like some of the older ones, they would, you know, they, they, it costs, you know, they would, they would just cost more per hour to operate it and they get less throughput, but they, if it's still making money, they still run them. And not only that, because these are all interconnected devices, uh, mm-hmm. connected networks. It's not just one size fits all. You might be running uh, facility management systems where it is operating and just doing an air and water and fire. Mm-hmm. You might be running on hazardous production material, which is running an entirely on a different ICS product line. And all these things needs to still work at a factory to provide the overall output. So everything works in a tandem. So changing any of those sub-manufacturing processes, it's a monumental task. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you call that digital intelligence, right? So explain yep. digital intelligence transformation going on. Explain what that means. So later, if everybody's talking about, you know, industry 4.0 conversions or, you know, the evolution that is happening in the worlds of internet connected devices or internet of things uh, is also very prevalent in a, in a factory or in the facility or on a oil and gas platforms. Uh, it is this, still the same PLC or the same edge devices, but yet you still want to get out uh, the meaningful data, telemetry of data, coming out of our factory, uh, putting into the digitization world. And this is where IoT is playing a big role. The massive difference between people call an IoT and industrial IoT is massive because you put an industrial IoT device, again, not in your data centers, but right on top of your uh, industrial asset, which is operating in in a factory, uh, in a sub-factory. And that needs to withstand the similar environmental controls uh, because you are inserting in a device. And once you have that IoT, uh, industrial IoT capability coming out, 
then I can start collecting in the terabytes of data. Uh, if you think about how much data that a factory generates, it can go anywhere between one terabyte to five petabyte in a week's time. And that's a monumental data set and hands. And, and, and the reason why it does that, because you have to understand it's uh, the requirement of the you know, compliances that require. So when you run a uh, operator factory, you need to ensure that you have a seven years worth of you know, collection of the data, historical data, what we call uh, coming out of the SCADA systems that records and monitors each and every event alarms that is generated out of factory, whether it be a excursion into the air or oil-free air or you know, ultra-pure water. And there are so many sub-processes. And this monumental data, you can do a lot of intelligence uh, out of it, uh, operate in a futuristic world. If, let's say, if I'm running a factory in a desert and due to the climate conditions, obviously my HVAC or my chiller plant is always operate at a, a maximum throughput. But during the time, if it's in the cooler days, I may able to easily adjust uh, the temperature controls on the chiller plant where it doesn't require as much as heat and cooling. And you adjust those on a fly, uh, given you have all this intelligence coming out of uh, the weather, I, uh, you know, weather data and your systems coming out of it and combining with artificial intelligence, you can on demand. Uh, this is a new feature of, you know, uh, artificial intelligence over industrial iot doing the command and control through the cloud mm -hmm. so how much how much is it like more for savings in the cost of the manufacturing that we adjust that or do we optimize for quality do we just meet regulation or, or compliance what what are we really targeting with that it's above all uh, every use case is a different requirement if my let's say my cur current chiller plant uh HVAC bail is in the north of $100 million in a year. Uh, but if then I do a data intelligence as a service coming out of the data, the use case can be, yes, cost avoidance. Uh, it's the same chiller plant, same uh, devices, but with an added uh, bonus. Now that I can uh, literally adjust uh, my chiller uh, plant, uh, virtual you know, VFD drives or variable frequency drives, depending on the climate requirement, and depending on the, my factory output, I can either have an ideal time but yet my chiller plant is running at full speed and i can slow down my chiller plant and running slow down a chiller plant is as good as you know you're reducing your bills in the millions of dollars for the hvac so this is one of the use cases. similarly you they what they do is they also improvise that okay in one of these sub factory processes i may be utilizing a lot of power or of uh, you know water usage maybe i can recycle this water and bring it back to the same manufacturing processes in a different light there you use uh, carb zero carbon free uh, association to the sustainability into the environment. Yeah, this seems like it could be also applied to energy optimization between like microgrids and and uh, alternative energy and existing uh, power production infrastructure. You, you work in that area yeah. as well. Absolutely, because if you look at uh, many of the, let's say, if non-manufacturing or non-factory use cases, let's say we, uh, in, in the north of if uh, Fortune 500 companies, there's about 1,000 buildings that they operate from a multi-region and multi-cities and multi-front. And if you wanted to do a smart building association, so let's say if I, if I enable 
how many uh, people counter moment, let's say, in a facilities that I have at given time between morning eight o'clock to morning eleven o'clock. I have many people coming in into the uh, you know facilities uh, by doing a people count. Then I can easily adjust my energy requirement. Uh, similarly, uh, you can also provide many of the use cases. Uh, you know. Uh, indoor air quality, right? Uh, measuring your HVAC systems and uh, through IoT sensors, you can easily benefit uh, in terms of how is my uh, in indoor air quality looks like or energy management. Uh, again, if you look at the tr traditional work environment between eight to five, if you're in US, many times after 5 p.m., uh, your facilities may not have uh, many more physical activity going on, meaning the human presence. And this is where you can start uh, shutting down or automate your uh, lighting uh, power over Ethernet, mm -hmm. where you can enable some of those smart uh, uh, lights uh, scenarios where you can, it automatically turns down and that comes, you, gives you much more energy efficient buildings. And there are many more, you know, let's say if I have a, one of the very typical people laugh at this use case, but it's very prevalent um, uh, in a particular building, you have multiple restrooms, but uh, still your uh, maintenance people, like they don't know when to go and clean uh, the restrooms. And by utilizing the IoT use cases on the facilities where you put a people counter uh, IoT smart sensors, it will count how many people have visited the restroom in a particular given time frame. And that ties back to your, you know, uh, ticketing systems, uh, going back to your maintenance. Hey, we had about 50 people just got in. It's time to clean, right? Rather than setting up uh, on a particular time frame, like every six hours, every eight hours. So, I mean, I know people think this use case is kind of very unique, but it is very useful if you think about the overall manageability of facilities. Yeah. What well, hits home because it's hard to see like this product line, this robot has to interact how many times the cooling system, but everybody knows the bathroom structure, you know, right. we, we can all associate with that. Um, so this, this industry, and we had talked before that, that uh, there was a big difference that you've seen even from like three years ago to now versus what's the future look like. Give us kind of that, that, you know, where we are at now snapshot versus, you know, what we've, what we've done over the last couple of years. Absolutely. So if you look at the parallel convergence that we're talking, keep talking about this in you know, industry 4.0 and IoT convergence, basically what it boils down to, if you look at about three to five years ago, you have a traditional supply chain operations. <clears throat> so if I talk about office environment, you know, you have pretty much your cell phone, your printer, your uh, uh, desk phone and mobile devices are connected into the office. And slowly and slowly there was no connectivity there was connectivity at the office layer or office segment but if you go down into the factory there was zero to uh, zero to nothing no connectivity happening between the ot and ics environment where you're running your gas systems your chemical systems your water systems your you know uh, air systems and so on and so forth uh, and there was traditionally it was understood that hey this device requires a different security spectrum uh, but also it comes with an association. If you think about the latest and greatest, you know, uh, type cyber threat intelligence reports uh, happening through Colonial Pipeline and, you know, some of the factories and it's everything is out in the news. And this is where it is happening. IT uh, supplier, uh, can, uh, you know, got compromised, which had an OT component connected it. So in today's world, that 
uh, enterprise convergence is happening. There are uh, connectivity happening between IT or offices environment into your traditional factory environment for various reasons, whether you want to run uh, somebody within the factory, hey, I want to run my uh, you know, email systems on an OT uh, engineering workstation. And, and these are the things that obviously has a user experience as well as uh, security violations that whether you're in a factory on automated fashion and not having IT connectivity, but that's a, a gold mine, right? People in this day and age, it's interconnectivity uh, that requires that you users should be able to manage their workload at any given point of fire and given any given point of edge devices. Mm-hmm. So this is where highly connected networks now converging from ITOT and the risk is also compounding up until now people may think it is an air gap network or in OT nothing's going to happen mm-hmm. but if you look at the many of the cybersecurity uh, incurrence that happens in fact the publicly incurrence you will see in a news cycle that yep my IT got compromised which has a, a text vector went into an OT and then OT shut down. Interesting um, and the concept of digital twin you had mentioned it before i wanted you to cover that because it's something that we hear as a new buzzword but most people have not heard it defined and and but go ahead and explain what that means in this this environment so and and, and this is where i think it's going to the new frontier of an exploitation of the technology in a good way now traditionally in it it was very easy for me to replace my desktop or laptop i can have a load balancer between two servers and the web servers and i can do many of the disaster recovery it was cheap it could be easily be done with the same resources but if you play the same scenarios into the factory environment if i'm building a chiller plant that let alone cost me about one million dollar to ten million dollar i cannot have just a backup chiller plant just for the sake of it. So how do I improvise my asset optimization? And that is one of the key uh, differences uh, that when you talk into ICSOT and into the digital twin, is the asset optimization. Now, how do I do asset optimizations? I cannot have the same chiller plant running ideal, first of all, because it just doesn't make sense uh, from an economy of uh, scale. So saying that, now, what are the technologies that I can employ? And this is where Digital Twin comes into picture, where you can uh, have an artificial intelligence. Again, I'm, I'm going to talk artificial intelligence in a little bit, but uh, with the Digital Twin, with the same uh, configuration of my physical systems, I can create a 3D model uh, with each and every piping, connections, uh, water systems, uh, highlight, and then I can bring in the physical system configuration that my factory is currently operating onto my uh, uh, 3D model. And then I can do the parallelism analysis with the AI uh, data sets that, okay, what happens if I try and turn this wall 30 degree uh, during this time frame? what would happen? So you can do many of those use cases on a digital twin, but not on your production factory. And then you can come up with the scenarios that if this makes sense with the utilization of these use case is much more favorable. And then you do your, you know, uh, qualification and the tool testing on a real production factory. Interesting. Uh, good, good explanation of that. Um, and as we kind of move towards the, the end of our time here, is there anything that you wanted to get out about what type of customers you, you need to engage with you, how they might reach out and contact you? So uh, uh, if you go to armis.com, uh, like I said, OT or ICS is 
used across many of the variables, whether you work in an IT environment, whether you work in an OT environment. Uh, and this is why, why ARM is uh, one of the great deal of ARM is, is that we provide, uh, you know, all the verticals, whether you wanted to implement ARM installation on an IT devices, where traditionally you already have an agent-based installation, but you want to move away from an agent base into the passive scanning, where it's very lightweight, easy to integrate. Uh, you don't need uh, IT resources to implement each and every agent. And this is where IT uh, armies can play a significant role with the vulnerability scanning and threat intelligence and risk assessment and the risk framework. Uh, moving on to OT side, if you are into oil and gas marketplace, if you're in utility business, if you are uh, running a factory, whether it be food or uh, you know medicine equipment, we also play a significant role in uh, medical devices where if you look at the hospitals, they are going through the same convergence as to many of those medical uh, devices or hospitals are hit with ransomware attacks. Mm -hmm. And why? Because same concept goes along. These are the similar IoT or OT and ICS devices that are operated uh, and has been operated for a while, but uh, it is easy to compromise because it is easily available. Those protocol are meant for uptime availability, are never meant for security, as security is a afterthought. But now that attacks are on the rise and the exposures uh, is become more public, you know, it's the growing attack surface due to the connectivity between IT and OT. And the exploitation has become more easy uh, and, and it's there is no sign of slope slowing. Uh, we're going to see more and more of this convergence. In fact, one of the statements, if I may uh, say, if you look at, you know, COVID-19, you know, it was a pandemic. I would say 2021 cyber breaches into the ICS and OT is a digital pandemic life of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And, well, thanks for joining today. It's definitely been a pleasure. I love the topic and uh, look forward to more of it in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation, Chris. It's been great what you guys are doing. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.